When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Talking City. I'm joined yet again by Stu Brennan and by Ian Cheeseman. Nice you to sound like it's a bad thing, that. Well, it's <laughs> acceptance, isn't it? So I like the fact that I got top billing. Yeah. yeah, well, you would do. Yeah. You've been away for two weeks, Stu, haven't you? From I'll, the podcast. Yeah. I have, actually. Yeah. We had Cyan as a replacement. He's not made the grade this week, has he, Ian? No, so. no, that's bad reflection on him, really, isn't it? <laughs> International break again this week. Um, it's been like an extended break for City. Of course, they haven't played now for, for two weeks since that game. It's still got another week to endure before a game in the Premier League. And it's a big game. Everton away for City. They've got a, we've spoken this season already how City have a bad record at Arsenal away. They put that to one side with an emphatic performance. Liverpool away has always been a tough game. We've seen City struggle there in the Premier League. But Everton away, another tricky place for City to go. What? do you make of this big test, especially after such a prolonged break? Well, I don't think the prolonged break makes a jot of difference, actually. I mean, they've been, as we know, to Abu Dhabi for a few days and now it's international breaks and they're scattered all over the place. Uh, I really don't think that makes much of a difference. I think what's more going to be in the mind of the manager, the players and the fans is the sequence of games that is coming up and whether or not there's going to be an element of squad rotation, of prioritising certain games. I know the manager has said uh, you know, that it doesn't matter where and when the league is won. Clearly, City fans would desperately love it to be in the Manchester derby, which means going to Everton and winning. Everton are desperate. Desperate's probably the wrong word because they're not in immediate relegation trouble. But nevertheless, they will be very determined, shall we say, to, to win this game because Sam Allardyce is trying to cement a longer-term future and Everton haven't had the best of seasons and, as you've already pointed out, City can slip up there and, and have done in the past. So you, you would think that with Sam and Everton being aware that City play at Merseyside again the following Wednesday against Liverpool, that they may see this as an opportunity to really go at City and unsettle them. So does Pep pick his strongest available eleven? Does he think, well... Because obviously a lot of them won't have effectively played apart from from these international friendlies for three weeks. Does he think, no, no, they're perfectly rested now. They can play in all these games, not an issue. Pick his strongest side in every game and go for it. Or does he think, can't really risk certain players getting injured or being overstretched given that it's Liverpool, United, Liverpool as the next three Mm -hmm. after that. So very interesting to see what what the manager's going to do. Um, I think from the fans' perspective, uh, they will expect the strongest possible team at Everton to win that game and then set up what would be a uh, a brilliant derby. But, I mean, uh, what, what do you think, Stu? Well, I, I think the beauty for Guardiola is that his squad is now coming together nicely, both in terms of players coming back from injury, like we've had Jesus, Mendy's shortly going to be back, we hope. Um, but also, the fact that Players like Gundogan, Bernardo have all stepped up. You know, earlier in the season, there was no doubt about it that you know there was Silva, Fernandinho, De Bruyne were the, were the midfield three. 
Um, Sterling was in ahead of Bernardo, but now there are, you know, you, you don't feel that the quality is going to drop drastically if Gundogan comes in for Silver or De Bruyne. It will drop a little bit because those two have just been brilliant, but I, th- I think Gundogan's a top-class player and uh, he doesn't really take away, you know, just about any other Premier League club would have him. In fact, I, I think every other Premier League club would take Gundogan in mm. his first choice. There's only City where he isn't. Same with Bernardo as well, you know. So I think that the, the quality is there now in, in terms of being right throughout the squad and playing your strongest team isn't really a necessity. You could still win games without your strongest team. And I, th- I think he'll do that. I think he'll do that uh, in the Everton game. I, I, think he, I, th- I think he probably will play his strongest team in the Everton game. But the, the, strangely enough, the one that he might not play with the strongest team is, is the Derby. Because I think he, he probably thinks he can beat United You know, with, with um, Gundogan in there and with Jesus instead of Aguero maybe. You know, just little tweaks here and there. And it's, it's not that important. I know it's important <laughs> to City fans, but... If you're looking in Guardiola's eyes, he just see, it's just another game for managers. We know that, uh, and he'll want to win it. Of course, he will. But um, if he doesn't win it, it's not the end of the world. Uh, losing at Everton might be a little bit more tricky because that'll put a little bit of pressure on. Um, certainly, losing one of the Liverpool games will put pressure on because it's a Champions League quarter final. So the United game, in some ways, is, is the uh, is is the, the less important. Uh, if you win at Everton, it, 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 any tiny lingering doubt there might be about the destination of the league title goes, I think, if you win at Everton. Mm. So get that one one, go and get a good result at Anfield, and then you can you can perhaps tinker with the team a little bit against United and still get a result, and then progress on to the home game against Liverpool. So. I think he will. I think he will use his squad. I think it's inevitable. Um, it just remains to be seen how he prioritises. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. He said, um, in fact, if City were to drop points against Everton, it means the derby becomes maybe even less important because it might not be a title-winning day for City in the end if they were to lose at Everton or something. And maybe that would solve the dilemma. Yeah, not but you'd you, ever want to lose again. You kind of think that. You know the, the games are then. There's not that many games no. in which to get the. It's nine points, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it then becomes what six games to get five games to get nine points. And, the pest, pest and it's so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what City <laughs> fans are like, especially Ian. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be saying, "Oh, we're going to blow this." It's yeah. a, you know, and I don't, I don't think they will for yeah. one minute. But you know, it does put a little bit of pressure on that you don't yeah. really need. You don't. You wouldn't want at this point in the season. Well, like we said last time, City played was the, the first time. I think we said the season they've actually sung. We're going to win the league. That was the Stoke away game. Yeah. So that that really does identify that. Well, we were having a laugh about that in yeah. the office the other day because uh, I said I'm sure I can remember United fans singing it in September. Yeah. You know, the United fans will win six or seven games when they're at the height of the power and they would be singing, we're going to win the league. You know, I don't think City fans will ever do that. If they win the league for the next 10 years, they'll still be worried, yeah. you know, with a, with a <laughs> City, 15 point league going into the last three games, you know. It's, it's, it's true, uh, it's true. There is something different about City fans. I mean, it, it'll slowly, it may well slowly change. The yeah. whole uh, age thing, you know, different yeah. age groups of fans coming through will have different mindsets, yeah. and and it might be that in it might take ten years. You know, it might it might be still a while in the future, but eventually that will happen. But you're right. I mean, it might not have occurred to every City fan um, the scenario that you've just spoken about, Stuart, which is. City needs six points as we sit here now, yeah. but that 
it's six points depending on three of them being against United. Yeah. So if they were to lose against United, then it does mean that you've still got to win in, from here, right now, three games. Yeah. Um, and although Brighton at home and West Ham away and Southampton away and the games that they've got left, you would think that there is more than enough scope to do that. Um, if suddenly you know you lose a little bit of ground and you get embroiled in thinking about the Champions League, either it's beat Liverpool, suddenly got a two-legged semi-final against Barcelona or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or something, and suddenly you're talking about resting players in those games, and somebody like Brighton comes to the Etihad and thinks, we desperately need to win it. See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is the city disease encapsulated. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, theory, they've got to go, certainly after the international break, let's be dead honest about this. These internationals that are happening in the, these two midweeks are complete non-events. Yeah. They are friendlies. They are players who are com- completely going through the motions. As much as the FA might want to talk up England against Italy and you know Argentina against Italy at the Etihad, we all. I didn't go to the game. No. I was somewhere else. And I suppose that says something anyway, because if that had been a competitive game, there's no way I would have wanted to no. miss Argentina against Italy. Uh, but the fact that Messi's sitting in the stand watching, the fact that Aguero wasn't risked, etc., etc., means that even within the games, I didn't watch the England-Holland game, but it feels to me as if players are, are playing at half-pace and just sort of fulfilling a fixture. So then nobody's going to come back exhausted after these international breaks. You're ready to absolutely hit the ground running and surely the City players are going to be out of the blocks wanting to, to blow Everton away if they can do and, and get that momentum going into the Liverpool game. So there's no real reason to rest anybody. You get the three points, you're then you know, three strokes, six points away from the league and as a, even the most pessimistic fan, <laughs> which is what you're saying, I'm not as bad as that. I do seem to remember you going to Everton away in 2014 <laughs> when City were, I think they were just about at the top of the table, just they just sneaked yeah. ahead of Liverpool and you, you thought they were going to get hammered. And they went, they went there because they always do, didn't they? They always used to Is that the three-two. Yeah, they went there and yeah. won three-two. Joe Hart pulled off a brilliant save mm-hmm. from Stephen Naismith. Jekko scored a couple of goals, and it was uh, that everyone thought that was the end of the jinx because they they beat them at home as well. And that's I've just I was just looking at the stats. That's the only league double they've done over Everton's uh, since 1981. Which tells you how much of a, a jinx team Everton have been. You know, they always seem to mm. throw a spoke in their wheel. They've even done it this season, haven't they? You know, they drew one one. It's the only draw, the only points that City have dropped at home this season uh, was against Everton. Last season, they inflicted Pep's biggest defeat of his managerial career. They've just got a thing about City. I don't know what it is. Whether it's a little bit of jealousy because it could have been them, yeah. or or what it what or, or the bad blood that was left over from the Lescott deal, which was a pretty unpleasant um, I don't know but they, they always seem to pull something out against City and I think but like like Rich was saying City have started under Pep have started making a nonsense of these like, bogey ideas and jinxes and all this kind of stuff they've just blown them all away so uh, perhaps this is the next one on his agenda yeah throw the marker down for Liverpool and cheesy, we know yeah, yeah. We know you don't like the S word stats. Here we go. <laughs> City only won one of the last six against Everton, and won two of the last nine away. It's a tough test. What? But like Stu was saying, that if there's one City side that can debunk this myth of <laughs> Everton away being a really tricky test, 
it's this city side. Oh, <coughs> sorry, it's all right. It's emotional time for you. <laughs> He's choking on his tea at the very for prospect of it. But like we said, city fans, typical city, they don't get carried away. They live in the moment, enjoy it while they can, and they take the highs and they take the lows as well. But do you think the city side can, can beat Everton? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no reason at all. And and maybe, you know, the, the players are, are human beings. They know the stats. They know the, the very thing that Stuart's just mentioned. The only two drop points were at home. Maybe that gives them a little bit more of a motivation to go to Everton and say, mm. you know, you spoil our record at home. You know, we need to sort <laughs> You've got this got out. got to remember in that game, the City battered them. They did. Men in the did. Second did. Half, and it was a referee that cost that game. We all know that. Yeah. That Kyle Walker red card was ludicrous. So yeah, well, it, and, and maybe it just sticks in the throat a little bit, you know, and yeah. uh, and this will be a, a, a chance to prove a point. But I really think with this three-week break, I know that there's, there's the slight fear that if you're looking at it the other way is that they come back and they're not quite sharp, match yeah. sharp or whatever. Um, but I, I personally think that this team, this manager, is so well motivated, so professional that they will go to Everton and absolutely bang, hit the ground running. Mm. And I would be very surprised if, if City don't win at Everton on, yeah. on Saturday evening. I believe the last time we had an international break, I think City's first game back, they beat Stoke 7-2. So yeah. I think the talk mm. of them being, I think it's a good cliche that people like to, to maybe blame on if, if their team loses after an international break mm. is that our players weren't at match fitness, they're playing with different managers, different styles. But like you said, the City side are just... Enjoying the break while they can, nice rest. Probably gives might even do them an advantage because they've had such a hectic few months, and like you said, they've got such a bumper schedule coming ahead. Well, they've also they've also it's it's fallen perfectly because it's given them three weeks to get Sergio Aguero fit, and it's Mendy. given them another three weeks to get Mendy fit yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. so it's that, that's happened a few times this 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 season. They always say you know the, the lucky teams are the ones that work hardest. They have had little bits of luck like that. Clips you know, things place. falling at the right the right time. Uh, you know, obviously they've been brilliant as well. That's the overriding fact. But yeah. you know, there have been little things that have happened. You just sort of think, well, that is City's year anyway. You know, over and above the fact that they've, they've, uh, they've operated at genius level. We hinted at it before. It's not just this game against Everton that's coming up. There's a huge Champions League double header. Manchester derby sandwiched in between. How are you feeling ahead of these games against Liverpool? Now, I don't predict outcomes, uh, but what I would say is that despite what Stuart might think, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reasonably confident um, going into these two Liverpool games. Um, I, I can't help thinking that that people are getting a bit carried away by the 4-3 victory at Anfield um, early this season, which, yes, Liverpool played very well that day and they can come forward and, and be a real threat. Uh, but I think Pep's a clever man. I think he will have... He'll have studied that. He'll have his players will have learnt a lot from that game. Uh, don't forget, over the two legs, if you want to call it that, <laughs> City won eight four. And despite the fact that people have gone back and said, "Ah, oh, well, if Mane hadn't been sent off," and uh, but City were leading one nil, and they they'd overcome a little bit of pressure from Liverpool. And Liverpool that day showed a lot of, uh, to me, a weak spirit um, at, because they didn't fight at all. Whereas at Anfield, City did fight. This means so much to City. Um, I know it means a lot to Liverpool as well, but the, this, I also think that this business, that which Stuart quite rightly highlighted in the evening news about the Liverpool fans giving this welcome to City when they come with a pyrotechnic, yeah. might actually have helped City. It may have actually... Um, you know, giving them so, that. So I'm getting the credit for you're getting the credit. <laughs> I'm giving you the credit, Stuart. We've got yeah. it here documented. 
We'll save this. Make question. sure you tell Sheikh Mansour that when he's uh, <laughs> when he, next time he's got his wad out. <laughs> Stuart was the was the one who got you through. Yeah, no, I I, th- I, I think that could help. I actually think that yeah. in a way that could all help um, because. It's almost put more pressure on Liverpool. You know, Liverpool. that day, Liverpool, I've got now to deliver in that yeah. intense atmosphere with those pyrotechnics at Liverpool. And if they don't, where does that leave them mentally? Exactly. Well, it's ludicrous, the whole decision. I mean, I think Stu maybe alluded to it himself. Sergio Aguero, Gabriel Jesus, they've played in huge games in South America. They've played Argentina versus Brazil. They've played World Cup games, these players. I don't think a trip... They've played at Napoli this season. Yeah. I mean, I, I pointed this out to a Liverpool fan who was having a pop at me on Twitter. You know, they, they play, they play you Twitter. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I know, it's, it's usually all sweetness and light, but there, there he was having a, having a go at me. I, I, I was quite hurt. Uh, yeah, so I, I said, well, you know, they've, they've, uh, they've actually played at Napoli this season. I yeah. went there and, and absolutely tore Napoli apart. You know, and we've been, you, you've been to Napoli as I have, you know, and it, it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. It is an incredibly intimidating atmosphere. Uh, and this guy said, oh, that's nothing compared to what, what Anfield's going to be like. You think, <laughs> have you been there? Have yeah. you been, I've been to Anfield a million times. And it's really, really it's, good it can be a good minutes. atmosphere. Yeah, it does. You, you, you have a big atmosphere. And I'm sure they'll keep it going for longer and it will be a great atmosphere. And I hope it is because it's, you know, it deserves to be a game like this. But, you know, you, you think... These, like you say, these players have, have been in proper bear pits. Yeah. You know, they're not like they're not like kids who are going to be walking out there terrified. Oh, they will be waving scarves at us. <laughs> oh, we'll look at the banners. It's just ludicrous. Um, and I was thinking that when I was writing the piece, but uh, it had to be written. Arguably, those types of atmospheres, players like Aguero and David Silva and, mm. and the ones who've been through it before. If I was them, I mean, it's impossible to know what their mind is like, but if I was them, I'd be thinking, wow, what a big game. Yeah, It'd give me a lift. Mm. And despite, and even the booing and the whistling, it'd make the adrenaline flow that bit more. And, and you know, you know, you've seen players like Yaya Toure in, in the past, you know, the big game players, and you think, is this why they're big game players? Because of this extra tension, this extra atmosphere, this you know what what's every element of what Liverpool is going to be at Anfield is what brings out the best in these great players. City have got loads of these great players, loads of match winners, loads of players who that's why Pep signs them. That's yeah. why these players are different because they're the. You know, you, you used to look at the City team and you used to think, well, he's a match winner, he's a match winner, he's a big game player. Now, it feels to me as if almost the whole 11 are like yeah. that, mm. you know, uh, even down to the goalkeeper, Edison. You know, you, you think, you know, he, he is, you know, a, a Brazilian who's played in those intimidating atmospheres and he has something about him that makes him special, other than the obvious, which is shot stopping and his distribution. Yeah. There's a, something in the mentality which is different about this this group of players. So I don't I think it'll lift them, not not knock them back. I think they did it in Napoli, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that interesting like you said about Edison. I mean he's got that ability that you can't switch off him when the keeper's got the ball because you know he's got the talent just to pick through a pass and set Aguero for own goal anyway. City like you said have attacking talent throughout the pitch as well. Um Luta Mateos this week said that uh, Liverpool are almost at the same level as City. They just need two more defensive signings. His quote was, City have more money, but Liverpool work hard. Do you think that is the difference? Well, I don't like defensive signings. I think the, the biggest difference, without any shadow of a doubt, is your midfield. 
You know, you look at look at what City have got. These, I think Fernandinho, De Bruyne, and Silva on the game are the best midfield in Europe right now. Yeah. You know, there's some pretty good ones out there, but uh, from from what they've done this season, I think they're untouchable. And Liverpool don't just cut just don't cut it the yeah. same. You know, City's defense isn't that great. If you get at them, they're not that great. Just as Liverpool's haven't been. The problem with City is getting at them because yeah. you can't get the ball off them in the first place. And when you do get the ball off them, they press you so hard that you, you end up whacking it upfield. And then if you've got Vincent Company and Otamendi there, they'll just head it back again and then you, they're off again, aren't they? You know. So no, I don't, I don't think I don't think Otamendi has watched enough of City and Liverpool if he's if he's saying that. He respect his opinion, but yeah. uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say the defence. Defensive what's made the difference between those two teams. The only way I can excuse him, because uh, I respect Lotus Matthias yeah. for what he's achieved, and you know that's unquestioning really, is is that a player who is so far removed from watching English football and those mm. teams week in week out is usually means they're limited to watching games on television or watching highlights. And the trouble with doing that is that this City team, it's not. Yes, we we love to see a certain passage of play or goals highlighted. Of course we do, and everybody loves that. And not everybody can go to every game, as Stuart and I are lucky enough to do. But the, the it's actually the more routine parts of the of the match that are actually the match-winning sections yeah. of the game, in my opinion. And and it is that domination of, of the ball and, and control of possession, which... You know, usually is the reason why City win games. Now, admittedly, against Liverpool, uh, they're also a team who like to control possession. They're also a team who like to press. And arguably, in the two games that City and Liverpool have played, they're probably the only team that have sort of gone toe to toe with City mm. um, and, and, and almost matched like for like. Now, again, as Stuart has said, um, it's the midfield where that is won and lost. And City's midfield, in my opinion, is far superior to Liverpool's midfield. So, yes, City's defence is vulnerable. Liverpool's defence is vulnerable. I would say that in goal, City have a better goalkeeper. If Mendy's fit particularly, City's full-backs are better than, than Liverpool's full-backs. Um, and arguably, that the, the strike forces, which are both impressive, yeah. uh, are not too dissimilar. So you could argue that the... The strike forces of, of Liverpool, um, you know, are not far away from what City offer going forward. Um, but certainly in the midfield area, uh, I think City outweigh them, and the, the games will be won and lost. I think through which one grasps most of the possession and um, you know dominates the game, and um, hopefully that's going to be City. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see City away at Anfield, like we said, that they really do sort of excel when they are being jeered by the home crowd when they're just playing the ball around at their own tempo, dictating and looking for those little pockets of space and looking for the right moment to sort of probe and then push forward. Um, and like you said, midfield depth, Stuart is too early, but Gundogan, perhaps he's the fourth fourth best midfielder at City, but if he was at Liverpool, he'd be their star man in the, in the centre of the park, which does yeah. highlight just how good City's depth is this season. Like you said, how good fringe players have come under. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think, I mean... Gundogan has, has made huge strides. I mean, he's been in, he's had so many injuries yeah, while he's so been at City. He had an injury when he came to City. He's had yeah. he's had a couple since, and it's really it's really held him back. I mean, and he's such an honest guy. I mean, I've interviewed him a couple of times, and he, he's talked about how 
he feels he will never be the same player again, which sounds quite drastic. Yeah. You start worrying for him. You're thinking, well, if that's in your head. But when you ask him to explain it, he, he says, it I don't, doesn't mean I won't be as good as I was. I'll be as good, but I'll be different yeah. and as good. He's, he's just sort of playing in a, in a different manner, you know. He, uh, and I, I think I think we're starting to see what he means now. You know, he's, he's still he's, on his game. He dictates the play. It's beautiful to watch. He's similar to Silver in a lot of ways in that he's got that balance. He's got that poise. He's got the touch. He makes things happen. Just little passes. Not yeah. you know, he's, he's not sort of curling thirty five. Although he can do that. It's not. He's just little it's passes. Like that are perfectly timed. Yes. Yeah. Drawing, drawing a defender in and then popping it off to someone who's in a better position, setting an attack. And you don't always see it. What you'll see is the player... It's like we, we used to say this about Yaya Toure, didn't we? People people always used to judge Yaya Toure on running 50 yards yeah. and smashing it in the bottom corner. Where we used to say, that isn't... Yaya Toure's biggest asset was getting the ball, giving it, then being available again, yeah. and then giving it again. It just does... And he makes it look so simple. And he'll play... a beautiful, brilliant pass that a, a lot of fans, unless they're proper football fans, won't even notice it, you know, but, but we're sitting there thinking, wow, that was something else, you know, that it might only be a 15, 20-yard pass, but uh, he'll put a little bit of reverse on it, mm, he'll, he'll, he'll weight it perfectly so that the player just takes it in his stride and is away, you know, and Gundogan does a little, quite a lot of that as well, I think Gundogan is good at doing that. And that's why I think a lot of fans underestimate him, and they, don't, they perhaps don't see the subtleties of what he's doing, and you know uh, how how he brings other players into play, how he takes opposition players out of out of play. And I, I think that's that's he's still not quite up to Silver and De Bruyne no, because that's because no, very few are very few are exactly yeah. And uh, I, I think that as as, a, as an understudy, there's, there's nobody better. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with every word he said there. What? So I'll I'll go a different direction and say that to me the, the big question at Anfield is: Does Raheem Sterling start that game, or is it Bernardo Silva um, on on the right hand side? And I think the rest of the team probably sort of picks itself the only you know we don't know about Mendy maybe Mendy plays at Everton and we you know we, an assessment is made yeah. then or maybe Mendy is just completely not considered for these two games but it wouldn't surprise me if Mendy it was either came on or even started the Everton game that wouldn't shock me yeah. I'd be thinking all ah, right so he's obviously thought he's getting close we don't know how close he is Let's see him in the Everton yeah. game and then make a decision. But apart from that, I think most of the team picks itself, apart from Sterling or Bernardo yeah. Silva. Now, if I'm laying my, um, you know, my, my case, I would say Bernardo Silva would start for me because he retains possession better. Um, yes, Sterling offers potentially a little bit more all-out <coughs> speed. And we know that as a wild card because... He can be a bit of a wild yeah. card. He pops up in places where he oughtn't to be, really, and uh, and can do things that that maybe even he isn't expecting to do, but lead to things that that, that provide goals. Not always by design, but just by being there and being a nuisance and being on it. Now, traditionally in the past, traditionally is the wrong word, but <laughs> in the past against Liverpool, particularly at Anfield, yeah, he's had a bit of stick and perhaps hasn't shown his best form. 
It isn't for that reason that I'd go for Bernardo Silva. However, that is also a factor. And to me, Bernardo Silva, even though he's only, what, 23 or something, he seems to have a very mature head on his shoulders. Um, he gets the, the way that Pep wants to play. I think his form has been improving. Uh, we've seen him getting better and better and better. Uh, when he first came from Monaco, and people at the beginning of this season said to me, you know, who's going to be the star this season? And I said, well, the one at the dark horse, the one to look out for that maybe people aren't expecting, to me, was Bernardo Silva. At first, we didn't quite see that. He was in and out a little bit. He's had a lot more game time recently, and I think we've started to see the real Bernardo Silva. And for me, it would be him, probably at Anfield. Yeah. I think also, just before Stu gives his case, um, Bernardo's got experience in the Champions League, as we saw last season with Monaco, got to the semi-finals. And I think Sai alluded to it last week that when City went to play in Monaco, he was the player set up before the press and he gave the sort of Monaco point of view and he was so confident, even though they had to score twice against City to overcome the, the away goal, well they had the away goal advantage in their favour, but they had still had to score two goals and he was so confident that they were going to do it and in the end he did and like you said, Gundogan and Bernardo, they have that ball retention, that intelligence, that big game experience, of course Gundogan was so pivotal and Dortmund got to the Champions League final in 2013, unfortunately they fell short in the end, but City's depth, like we said, Sterling may be off the bench, he's a game winner, we've seen this season, he's not scored a late goal for a while now, um, he might be suited to coming on, if City are annoying Liverpool and the atmosphere suits them to bring Sterling on, he might be better off the bench, what do you think, Stu? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, and I, I think I think the, the fact that Sterling doesn't perform at Anfield is the, the crucial factor. I think as players, there's very little to choose between them. They're both very different kinds yeah. of players. But if you play Sterling, you lose something that you'd have with Bernardo. If you play Bernardo, yeah. you lose something. So it's difficult. I mean, and away from home, I mean, Sterling has been used away from home, especially in Europe, because I think that's perhaps where he's been at his most effective. Yeah. You know, because the teams have got to come on to you, certainly in a first leg. Uh, Liverpool will be coming on to you and you'd be looking to hit them on the break. But City have got pace anyway. You know they don't. They'll have Sane on one side. Uh, Aguero's quick as well. Jesus is pretty quick. Um, we don't necessarily need pace on the other side as well with Sterling. And all, for all the reasons that Ian went through about ball retention, being a clever player, somebody who, who closes games out as yeah. well. You know, if City are one 0 up with 15 minutes to go, you'd want Bernardo on the ball. We saw that in the derby at Old Trafford, didn't we? Yeah. There's a club room in the the corner in front of the City fans. Well, yeah, I mean, that was an extreme example, but uh, but he does it it more subtly than that normally. I think that was just City players having a bit of fun with their fans, to be honest with you. But but yeah, I mean, but he does it it in a a more subtle manner in terms of, uh, you know, he, he gets on the ball, he uses it well, and... And just just keep just keeps possession, yeah. and that's what it's all about. In European football, especially, and this game at Anfield, you know, I, th- I think in the opening, the opening fifteen twenty minutes are going to be crucial in this game. And if City can just get on the ball and keep it, keep it, and keep it, this this famous Anfield atmosphere <laughs> might just die a death, and then and then the game's there to be won. You know, um, City will maybe be looking to score an away goal to give them that advantage for the second leg. One player who will be leading line, you expect, is probably Sergio Aguero. He comments this week with, I believe, Fox Sports, saying that he will be leaving, well, his contract, he confirmed his contract extension until 2020. So City going into the summer, there's no real doubts over Aguero's future. Aguero and Jesus, but do City still need to sign over forward? Um, I, was, I would think 
probably yes, because he looked at times this season. You know, Jesus has been out injured for a long yeah. time. You've got Sergio Aguero. I mean, Guardiola won't see it that way because he 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 thinks he can play any football game with eleven yeah. midfielders pretty much. Uh, so it wouldn't be bothering him too much. But in terms of somebody who puts the ball in the net, I, th- I think you perhaps need you perhaps need three as a minimum. Uh, and he, he sort of took a nod towards that when he tried to sign Sanchez in January. Yeah. You know, he obviously wanted another one. He was look, looking at that, the fact that Jesus was injured, um, Aguero's got a bad injury record, and also goes through f- flat spells every now yeah. and then, as all strikers do. So I, I think I think maybe yeah maybe uh, maybe another striker would. Uh, would be a sensible option. Do you think he'd count if City went back in for Mares again next summer? Mares as a striker. Well, that, this this is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's peculiar. He, he stopped once Sanchez once um, Sanchez upped his his demands and uh, sort of priced himself out of a move to City. Um, they went in went in for Mares, and he just think, well, he's not he's not the same kind of player. Yeah, you know, he's not somebody who scores goals. He's somebody who creates goals from a wide position. How many of those players do you need? But you never know what's ticking over in Pep's head. You don't because you see him. You see him play players in positions, and you think, how's that going to work? And then it does. And then you think, then you're like, the guy's a genius, and he does it time and time again. So if he's if he wants Mares and he goes out and gets Mares this summer, he'll have something in mind for him. Um, what it is, I've not. I'd probably play him centre half. I don't know. <laughs> you see that that this is where if he signs Mares, I'm only using this as an example. Yeah. But if he says signs Mares and Sanchez, arguably is the same type of thing in that he he's more of a flexible player rather than at his best. We're not seeing that at United at the moment, but at his best, is more of a flexible player. If City signs something like DiBala from from Juventus. He would be regarded as a striker, out-and-out striker, who would be in direct competition with Jesus and Aguero. And then you have this psychological, unless, of course, he did something different with him, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility. But then you have, and it would be no doubt discussed by everybody all the time, you know, three strikers, how do you fit them all in? He can play two together sometimes. When he plays one or the other's going to be unhappy. You have you bring in Mares, you bring in Sanchez, or a player of that type, you don't have that dilemma, do you? Because constant rotation of, you know, out, out goes David Silva for a game, out goes Kevin De Bruyne for a game, etc., means that they all get game time and it's never this direct competition. Whereas an out and out striker, the agenda, the story becomes, yeah, oh, oh, Aguero. Aguero drops every time he's yeah, on the yeah, yeah. 11. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that, that's what makes me think that maybe he will, in his mind, because City have. It seems been suggesting that they might go for two big signings in the summer. One of them might be a striker. That that striker might be a Mares type of player, uh, rather than a Lewandowski type of player, who would undoubtedly then be a competition for Aguero. <laughs> and if Aguero's going to stay two more years and then go to Independiente, which it's never been a massive secret that I mean, that's been a, mm-hmm. a dialogue that's gone on for a while. And I think by Doing what they're doing, City. If this is this is how they're going, and David Silva's going to be looked after and allowed to go to back to home again when he's finished. And I go, well, brilliant on your City. Yeah. Well done. You 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 you're keeping your promises to your players, which is keeping them well motivated. I'm I'm all for that. Mm. But then, do you wait until the two years are up with Aguero and then make that big striker out and out striker signing that summer? 
to replace him or do you bring him in two years before to to play in the same squad? There's your dilemma. And I think the way around it is is to, to sign a player like Mahrez, who is a striker, stroke midfielder. Yeah, yeah. So, thankfully, it's not us who have to make that decision. We can leave that one down I'd to love to. I'd sure. love to. Get me in and I'll make the decision. Well, maybe Stu can do it when he gets his big payment off Shake My Show. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Semi-finals. I'll do it. <laughs> 10%. Just 10%. That's all I want. Uh, another question, sort of the last topic of today. Um, another dilemma for Pep Guardiola. John Stone's future... Um, Quotes from him this week, um, speaking how it's difficult not playing week in, week out for City. We said before off air, he was fantastic up until November. Really was an, an outstanding player. He's sort of dipped in form, um, partly down to an injury against Leicester. What does the future hold for John Stones at Manchester City? I still think he's got a big future. I, I, I think we saw that at the start of the season, as you say. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was everything that we thought he was going to be. He was good defensively. He was bringing the ball out. He was passing it well. Then he got that injury at Leicester, um, and since he's come back, he's gone back to being last season's John Stones. Yeah. Individual errors, looking a little bit uncertain, a little bit lacking in confidence, and he's also been a little bit unlucky in that Company's had a resurgence and he's he's claimed his place again. And Company and Otamendi are City's uh, two main yeah. defenders, and understandably so. Uh, so you've had Stones and Laporte on the bench. The two players who are seen as City's future centre-back pairing. Um, but I, I still think that's the case. I still think they will be. We saw him the other night against Holland Stones. And again, I thought he looked really, really good. He looked classy. He looked secure. He looked like he... This was playing in the back three as well yeah. with Carl Walker, which was very interesting. And I'm sure if Pep's seen it, I think he'll be, uh, he'll be very thought, interested in that yeah. as well. Because I thought he worked pretty well. Um, and I, I, just, I just think that that's... Uh, that's where he's at. I think he'll. I think he will keep progressing. I think he'll learn from company. He'll learn from Otamendi, and principally, he'll learn from them. Is the art of defending because that's where he's lacking yeah. a little bit. He's a tremendous footballer. Uh, he's a tremendous footballer who can defend a bit, but he needs to become a tremendous footballer who can defend tremendously as well. <laughs> and that's what he. That's what he. You know, and if he if he listens to Vincent Company and he listens to Nicholas Otamendi and spends his time on the bench watching how they yeah. do things as watches them in training I think he'll I think he'll get there um, I've, I've got a lot of faith in the lad If John Stones is going to have a long term future at City and he's only young and there's, so there's every reason that he can aim to have a long future at City I can't help thinking he's going to be the middle of a back three and it's interesting that Stuart talks about him playing in a back three for England now obviously Mendy has been missing for most of this season so that back three in the way that Pep had perhaps envisaged yeah. it hasn't happened and it's ended up being a back four I personally at the moment don't think John Stones is is good enough to play at the top level in a back four um, defensively I think he's vulnerable uh, yes, he's, he can be when he's playing well and he's got confidence. Uh, a footballer, lovely footballer, who can play as the middle of a, of two out and out marking defensive minded centre backs. So therefore, if the long term future is that um, Company, Laporte, and Otamendi circulate in those roles with Stones playing in the middle of those three, and then you've got Mendy on one side and Carl Walker on the other. Um, although now Stewart's chucked in this <laughs> Carl Walker as part of the back three as well, so that could be another one. But in in theory, I, I can sort of see how that might work. And and obviously, I hope John Stones continues to improve in the way again that Stewart's explained. And maybe he can be 
just as solid in a back four as he would be in, in a back three. But at the moment, I don't think John Stones is consistent enough uh, in the big games. Yes, in the, in the in the lesser games against the weaker teams, it's not a problem. He can he can you know look look decent. But in the big big games, I wouldn't. Uh, I know it sounds horrible, but I wouldn't trust John Stones in the really big games in a back four. I might consider him in a back three, yeah. uh, but not in a back four. Um, and I think personally that, that Pep probably sees it the same way because if you look at the selections that he's made over a period of time, in fact, even earlier on in the season, I, I, would, I would argue that it probably bears out what I'm saying in that he has the same slight concerns about Stones. So I'm not writing him off. I'm not yeah. saying Stones is never going to make it, but I am saying that at this moment in time, um, and clearly we've had absolute evidence of it in the, the game at, at Arsenal, the game at uh, Wembley, uh, you know, the, 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 the big, big games when City have, had, have, have played a back four and company in Otamendi have been available, he selected those yeah. players, and I think he has the same worries. I just wonder if he'll play a back three against Liverpool. That's what to ask he, he did it in the 5 nil. he did that, didn't he? He even, he even wedged Danilo into the back three. So that's how keen he was in that home game. But he had Mendy playing, of course, which made, yeah. made it different. But I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Danilo, Stones and Otamendi, the back three against Liverpool in the 5-0, um, which worked all right, apart from the fact that Salah was going past Otamendi the entire first half and City got away with that a little bit but I just wonder whether he'll, he's thinking he could play company Otamendi and one of Stones or Laporte as the third centre-back would that be the ideal way of, of counting especially if he's got Mendy available again you know bombing up and down the left Walker going up and down the right three centre-backs negating those three really good attacking Liverpool players is that the way to go on Anfield? My bet, my guess, educated guess, would be that in the home game, which gives you another week, yeah. that, that that maybe that's exactly what he'll do. In the away game at Anfield, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see uh, Danilo play on the left-hand side of City's back four. We know that Salah loves to cut in on his left foot. He operates on the right-hand side up and wants to cut in on his left-hand side. Danilo's right-footed. And I can see him matching Danilo against Salah and say, you know, rather than playing a left-sided player, like certainly Zinchenko, I, don't, I wouldn't see Zinchenko no, no. featuring at Anfield. Well. Uh, we're not, not sure where, I'm certainly not sure where Fabian Delph is. And Fabian Delph is actually right-footed, isn't he? So, but he, he isn't a defensive-minded uh, left-back in the way that Danilo would be. So if I was putting money on Anfield, I'd go with Danilo at left-back now, whether it's a three or a four, I'm not sure. But if Mendy has proven by then his fitness, if he's played against Everton, for example, for 60 minutes and then played in the derby and suddenly we've seen a fully fit Mendy and, and that's you know then I can see at home, in the home game against Liverpool, Mendy on the left, Walker on the right and a back three. I can I could definitely see that then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a 
Big test. We will see. Yeah. We will see. I think maybe that's a good place to end it. We will see. Um, we don't know what we will see. We've got City on the weekend against Everton. And exciting though, isn't it? It is exciting. This is the calm before the storm. It's all going to start happening. I think maybe if this is you calm. I don't want to see you against storm. <laughs> I think maybe the international break was just for Ian to calm down a bit, wasn't it? It was just a couple of weeks to give you a rest before. Yeah, well, I have been resting. Yeah, I'm fully fit. I'm available for selection. <laughs> You're ready for this. <laughs> Two trips to Merseyside coming up. We've got one this weekend. City against Everton on Saturday for the Champions League and the Manchester derby. City fans will be spoilt in the next few weeks. You know what the irony is? Uh, is a little insight for people who don't go to the away games. Uh, usually travel with Stuart, so so obviously we know the uh, the, the, the situation ourselves. Yeah. Uh, the game at Everton will probably end up parking on the Liverpool car park. And then the game at Liverpool will end up parking on the Everton car park. Yeah. See scousers, what can you do with them? <laughs> if one thing Stu needs to do before Liverpool came is wine scousers up even more. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Stu. I love them, that's one of my best mates, the scousers. <laughs> well, I think that is it. We will see. City fans, you're going to be sport over the next few weeks. You've been sport again today. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Stuart, for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to Talking City on Audioboom and iTunes for all the latest episodes.